I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are staying up late. For season eight. Of The Connor and Smith Show. Um, how are you? Great. Matt is across the room on the couch. I'm, I'm pug sitting. He's pug sitting. The pugs are kind of curled around him. And we are here to talk today about 2017's It. Yes, It. We're going to talk about It. So, uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we, let's talk about it. We'll get into it. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and we will be right back. From Dathan Auerbach, author of Pen Pal, comes the chilling horror novel Bad Man. Booklist raves, it's magnificent. The Shining, set in a grocery store. The Washington Post calls it atmospheric and unsettling, takes on an aura of almost gothic menace. And USA Today says it's wickedly effective and saves its darkest deeds for an unnerving end. Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach. Available at 1000vultures.com. Okay, so... 20... I thought you guys had something serious to talk to me about. You said, you need to come over here tonight because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we are going to talk about it. Oh, it! The yeah. movie, I, damn it! It's the whole clown and, you know, the sewers. Um, this... Well, damn what... it! <laughs> Janet. <laughs> um, this movie was long awaited, um, this remake. Andy Machete directing... Uh, Bill Skarsgård starring as the titular role. Of... And originally it was it was Carrie Fukunaga. Yes. Uh, he and he was uh, credited as writer as well uh, on the, on the film, uh, but I think it was just in in development for too long. And uh, yeah, Andy Machete took over. Yeah. Um... Now, what do you mean take over? Does someone keep everything that was done and take over, or do they restart? Uh, I I don't know if restart is the right word. I think they take what has existed and reshape. Reshape. The yeah. movie. The script. The script. The... Oh, the script. They, yeah. they hadn't started. They were in pre-production. I think I think Fukunuga even casted a lot of it, maybe. So pre-production is getting ready to shoot, but they haven't start, started shooting because they have to plan locations, props, makeup, all that? Right, yeah, that's all pre-production. Design. Uh, 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 sites. Uh... Why did this person leave? Um, I don't remember. I don't artistic remember differences. Artistic differences, and then he got uh, the James Bond movie, the last James Bond movie, uh, which just came out. It was supposed to come out pre-COVID, right. but then wound up coming out afterwards. But yeah, Andy Machete, I liked uh, Mama. I did too. Um, and I, I think this this version uh, is the version that. I mean, I loved the made-for-TV in the the eighties or nineties. Let's talk about that. <clears throat> Let's talk about that. Yeah, Tim Curry. Again, Tim Curry as Pennywise in that miniseries. He was the good thing about it. He was the good thing about it. It really shit the bed in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, with the, the spider. spider. Yeah. The spider. Uh, but for all in all, though, I think it's a pretty good ad adaptation. Uh, but the, yeah, when this came along, we were all like, "Oh, we're gonna finally get." A real adaptation of what it the book was, and we still did not, and we still didn't. But it's we closer. Had a rated R version of it. Hey, there's a book called Encountering Pennywise. 
a critical perspective, a critical perspectives on Stephen King's it. Put it in my um, Christmas uh, present list. I love that. It's a hundred dollars. Why? Because it's critical. Oh. <laughs> no, this is why nobody reads. And this came out. Uh, when did uh, Stranger Things start? Um, I want to say 2016. Right. So this comes out. On the heels on of. the heels of Stranger Things and really that uh, that feeling of the eighties and a, a group of kids together kind of thing and Finn Wolfhard and Finn Wolfhard absolutely of. the whole cast of kids is just so the group of kids uncovering mysteries or solving life's little mysteries kind of takes us back to uh, Stand by Me sure Stand by Me the Goonies does I have anything to do with Stephen King Stand by Me is Stephen King Stand by Me is Stephen King. So, do you think... Okay, I know nothing about Stephen King, although during the pandemic, I made myself listen to his own writing. Yeah. Which, after reading and listening to an audiobook, I kind of went through it twice, I was just gum-smacked. Gob-smacked? I was gob and gum-smacked. <laughs> it sounds wow. disgusting. <laughs> you were really smacked. And I just his, his process, his language, just to hear him talk... Is so humbling, but I, but with that, I'm still not a fan of his of his work. I'm more of someone who appreciates his stuff because you know I, there's only so much Pet Cemetery I can really delve into without really just losing sleep. I'm a big fan, as is Ryan. Um, Huge. However, I might be wrong, and that's why I'm bringing it up because I'm not a connoisseur of the King. I felt like between certain things that he had written including possibly Stand By Me, which is about a group of kids, that it, and maybe this is where Ryan's going to go off on a tangent about what, his, what he loves with Dark Tower. One tower? Two towers. The Dark Tower. The Dark Tower. I felt like it was not only like a story, but it was almost like a dome over... The collection, the collective consciousness of Stephen King. It was basically under the dome, <laughs> right? I mean, it felt like it was, um, a a um, I don't know, not not like it felt like it was almost, the epitome of what Stephen King is. Kind basically. of, kind of. It was scary. It was funny. It was thoughtful. It was heartfelt. It was sad. It was so much that I don't think I've ever felt in a Stephen King film before. Now, keep in mind, I don't, I don't go looking for them, and I also don't watch any of the series stuff of like, oh, we have you watched the TV, the Dome, or the the European Dome version where they actually, it's, it's a, you know, whatever, it's out there. That doesn't exist, but that's okay. But I felt like this really. I went into the movie theater and cried and at, at some point. At both of them. At both of them. And it was for the connection I had with the characters that he created a very believable world. And um, that's all I want to say is if there is a sort of um, prequel to The Dark Tower where it's sort of like a... Was that right? No, go ahead. Where there's sort of like an overview of what Stephen King is, is capable of, I thought it was like a master class in who he is as a writer, and I didn't think one or two could be challenged by which one was better, and I know that it can be, but I don't think it mattered. 
because I thought that they, and I know the book, you read the book, yada, 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 this happened and they, that happens, right? But outside of the book and what was changed for the film or whatever, I, I thought they both were fucking brilliant. And I think that's really a, a, a saying more about Andy Machete and the production team, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to uh, adapt this massive book into uh, and something that people loved into this wonderful uh, film art. It was it was it was really a great uh, great movie. I, I enjoyed it. Chapter one versus chapter two and i think that's just because of the way it's broken up it's hard to top chapter one two with the adults when you have the kids you love the kids so much and i almost wish there was a a uh, a recut of both of them together where you kind of get interspersed interspersed like you did with the, uh, the book with, well, with the book and uh the 90s miniseries i think what i was missing matt you're not far off in what you said as far as like the world of Stephen King and the world of the Dark Tower in something that was, however, missing from both film versions, which was the turtle and the ritual of Chud is talked about, but it's not. And for those who have read or haven't read, the ritual of Chud or Chud, whatever it is pronounced as, is basically when two storytellers basically bite each other's tongues and hold on for dear life and try to tell each other jokes in a way until one of them cracks. And What are you talking about? That's a real thing that happened in the book? Yeah. Yeah. Who are the storytellers? So I can't I think it's who does is it Bill that goes up against the I think it Pennywise is Bill, yeah. and they like bite t- his his tongue and try to hold on. Or is it Richie? It's Richie. I believe it's Richie. It's like book. having two narrators in into the woods. <laughs> Do they do they both have different versions of the story? So it's not like they're really telling jokes. It's like mental sparring, like locked with each other. And then I think, no, it's Bill. It is yeah, Bill because Bill. he casts him back into the Bill's deadlights. The writer, later on, he casts Bill is not successful. He throws him back into the deadlights, which launches him into space, basically metaphysical space. And he passes the body of the turtle, and the turtle is talked about as the turtle barfed up the world and that's how the earth is here isn't that indigenous i think it does go back to some kind of it's in the dark tower the turtle yeah well and pennywise is a form i believe of the man in black from the dark tower so it is really part of the world of what the dark tower is now if you want to talk about an encompassing of, of stephen king as you said i was going to say the dark tower includes it but it is a much more massive huge canvas that he has created. Do you think that Pennywise is a version of the man in black or is Pennywise evidence somewhere else in the is it the Wizard of Glass? That's possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought Pen, I thought the sorry honey, the the dark man and the the dark tower whatever his name is um, the man in black the man in black that's Johnny Cash is also Randall Flagg is also he's 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 in many forms yeah in many forms so you're saying that it is the battleship to the dark towers dungeon and dragons armada right (laughs) so if any of this is confusing that's probably why they cut it out of the film absolutely Um, it's just too too many but they're the turtle appears in other ways What's in both films. Thing? Just the turtle. 
That's sad. If you create an entire world, you should at least have a name. But he does appear in different ways. There is like a Lego turtle in Georgie's um, bedroom. They're in the the little uh, place in the Barrens underwater, and they see a turtle. So they do incorporate the turtle in ways that they can. In, oh, that's why it's there. In the classroom scene, where in uh, I think it's in the sequel where Ben and Beverly and sh- her hair goes on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the classroom, there's a turtle on the desk. Yeah. So it, the turtle's always there. And uh, played by Sophia Lillis, right? The, you're talking about the young Beverly. The young Beverly, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, just amazing. Yeah. Well, there's just something so familiar with you, with all of us, and everyone who's listening, being a child, and your imagination is so vivid. That if you have a bed sheet on during a windstorm, you feel like you're a powerful, like wizard or something because you 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 just believe that you can have a stick and have a sword, and all of that was so beautifully crafted, you know, nostalgic for for how as a kid you are fearless to go walking into that scary house together. If you think about it, it's used in so many other things. Uh, I think you said like a rite of passage mm-hmm. uh, with Peter Pan. Like, as children, they, they can fly and they believe in all of this and they want to go to Neverland, but then they lose the magic as they get older. Um, and that comes back in tons of literature. And, and in the second film, you know, when Beverly in the first one took one of the pieces of the fence gating and stabbed it through the head so later she gives him something that's similar and she says in the second one she says this kills monsters this is when they're grown up and he says it does yeah played by jessica chastain right yes and she says it does if you believe it does and concurrently in the made for tv the young um eddie eddie kasprak has asthma bad and takes his inhaler and squirts it in its face and says, this is battery acid. And it, it like, melts his face a little because he believed it was battery acid. Right. And I think it also goes to the fear that a child can have because they have such great imaginations and they can think of all of these wonderful things but also these horrible things. And that is what Pennywise feeds on is fear. The fear, fear of these children. So these children coming along that have fear but are able to deal with it. That's the whole theme. Isn't it interesting, though, that in Dr. Sleep we already talked about, Pennywise says something about, like, when you're, you get older, you don't taste as good. and you're, Yeah. And it's the same with the steam vampires in Dr. Strange of, like, you have to get them young. They're true not. Yeah. You have to get them when they're young. And that's kind of like a weird, creepy, pedophile thing to sound. But, but it's also about imagination and power of imagination, power of the shine, or power of their own. Maybe all of these Losers Club members had a little bit of the shine to them. Who knows? I think so. I think that's why he focused on them so much. And why they were drawn together, almost like a true knot of their own. Absolutely. Because they're a true knot. Yeah. So, like, the first film is is great. I mean, just a wonderful horror film. It, It has scares. It has gore. It has a message. Um, and it's all shot and done in a wonderful way, uh, way and taking place in Derry, which is another Stephen King uh, haunt haunt that you know he writes about all the time. Um, and then the second film, like I said, you know you get Bill Hader, uh, Jessica Chastain, uh, the guy that was in like the Beauty and the Beast CW show, <laughs> playing the attractive uh, 
uh, James McAvoy as well oh, yeah, as James Bill. McAvoy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Just a wonderful cast and and wonderfully done. But again, I want to see that together cut of the entire thing. A lot of people, at least on social media, I know, and this was came from a lot of like gay people and straight people, were like disturbed by the murder at the top of the second one, which was a gay, a murder of a gay person. That's right. Do you remember that? <clears throat> and I was not because to me, I'm like, no, you should be forced to watch things like that because it happens all the time. And it's not like a trigger warning for, it's what gay people live with constantly. What did you feel about that scene, Matthew? Did you feel the top of the second one when the gay couple, you know, they throw him off the bridge after they beat him up because he was wearing a hat that says, yeah, "I love Derry." Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how. I don't understand being offended because they were like, "Why show the homophobia and gay bashing?" And I was like, "Because it exists." And they're like, this film is not about that. I'm like, this film is about evil in all the different places it yes, can thrive. And, and why wouldn't Pennywise come back in a time like this? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think perfect. Pennywise has. Yeah. Right. No, totally. Yeah, that's the point. I don't understand how someone would say something should not be shown. shown. Yeah. That's like asking someone to hide the books. Well, this it's the whole past perfect movement, which I understand. Um of, of like, okay, if you're doing an 80s movie or TV show, maybe don't have the gay kid called the F word. Maybe don't have that because it makes younger people viewing it feel... I get it. This is based on a novel. The novel was written in a certain time. The movie was made in a modern time. But the book centers the second act of this. It actually starts the book, the murder of um, this guy, this gay man. Um they're going to be faithful to that book. And there's a reason that he was killed. He also has a childlike quality about him, even as a gay man. And he was naive enough to think that he could do whatever. He had a fearlessness to wear that hat and kiss his boyfriend. So was this in the book? Yeah. So once again, the author's intent... Is there. ...was for an intention. Well, it's like, okay, so Judy Dench said this. I don't remember about what thing was going on at the time but she said we still go look at Caravaggio's and Caravaggio is a painter that was a murderer but we still are able to look at his art even though no, I don't know it's, it's a very fine line of it's, it's very fraught yeah I, like are we I don't know like yeah I, I can recognize and I think this is probably the point that not everybody can recognize that as this is uh, an allegory, a metaphor. This isn't the way you're supposed to really act, and I guess that's the point. There are people that can't see that beyond the surface, and there are things in the but book the, that. And the movie's not advocating for. No, there are things in the book. I'm glad were cut out. There's a very controversial scene where young Beverly has sex with all of the other boys in the Losers Club, and that's on Stephen King because that is. Uh, it's problematic. It's it's not just problematic. I mean, it is problematic, but. It's wrong, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that it didn't happen at that time period, right? In some form, in real life, and again, not saying that it's good, it's wrong, it's bad. Mm-hmm. But are can we not talk about things that happened? You would be surprised on the message boards and things that I've seen a bit. Like 
I don't know why they didn't put this in. I'm mad they didn't. And I'm like, really? Really, are you? And you're mad? But but then there are people who are mad that a gay guy is killed? What is happening to the world? Yeah. Um, the book is one of those reads that, much like The Stand, when you get through it, it's just emotional. You put it down. You feel like crying. You feel like... I mean, the, especially I, the ending of It uh, is I never, so... I never want a really good book to end. To end and then I, when it does, and it's so good... It's like losing someone. It is. It's it's a loss. But both It and The Stand, I felt that way. And I've read them both several times, and it's the same wonderful journey. Not to go on a tangent, but do you remember in the 90s when they released The Stand, the unabridged version? Absolutely, I read that one. Oh my God. Like, it was an event. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, when's the last time... Let's talk about books for a second. Like, when was the last time that... Kids were really. I just read this article that kids are not reading as much as they used to. Yep. Like Harry Potter, even though again the author of that is problematic, yep. um, as well she should be. Yeah. Uh, where where are all of our authors that are reaching out to children of now, and why aren't people having their kids read? I don't it's know. Such a, it's such it's an tech. enriching world. It's tech. It's it's their screens, and that's. I, I mean, fine. If they want to look at their screens, can you get them a Kindle? Can you get them to read in some other way? I understand that tangible books are dying, uh, and and that that's a, a thing. I also understand there are little free libraries out there everywhere, at least here in Arlington. Like, I remember being a kid and like you know something would come out that I knew that it was a book, and I'd be like, I have to read the book first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. still do that to this day. If there's a film, and, and oh, I try to, yeah, yeah, and it's like this. For me, it's a marrying of, of not just entertainment, but of art and seeing different adaptations. I want to see the intent. I want yeah. to see the intent of the author. Yeah. And that's maybe for me being a writer and whatever. But a funny anecdote. I think it was 90 that this the TV movie came out. Because Batman came out in 89. And I had a Batman uh, bedspread at the time. One side of the pillow was Batman. The other side of the pillowcase was the Joker. I was not supposed to watch this movie on TV. I did. I sneaked it. I went to bed and was laying on my pillow with the moonlight coming through when I noticed the big smiley face on my pillow and screamed and jumped out of bed. Funny story. But that was 1990. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, but to bring it back to... I, I think we could, instead of just calling this about... 2017's it or 2019's it i think we can just call this podcast this is it because we've talked about the book we've talked about the miniseries everything uh, about getting ready to do a prequel welcome to dairy it and, is happening and is is bill skarsgård i don't think he is and that breaks my heart yeah. because annie machete's back interesting i don't know why they wouldn't I, unless bill was like i don't want to do two i've already done two of these do i want to be hannibal lecter the rest of my life right. but newsflash you are going to be it the rest of your life. You have done other things, and you're great at them. Barbarian, film I highly recommend. Um, Do we talk about Tim yet? We can talk about Tim anytime you want. Well, we just watched him in Rocky Horror. Yeah. And then he was it. In the 1990. In, in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other people who have played it. Nope. Just just the two. Just the two of them. Bill Skarsgård and um, Tim Curry. Um... Is that the? Oh, is this is this Tim Curry's only other sort of horror film? Well, Legend we watched, right? 
which yeah. is more fantasy. More fantasy. Yeah. yeah, he plays the devil, kind of. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Clue is a comedy, but kind of a mystery thriller it's kind a of thing. Silly comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just funny to. It's just funny to see his fantastical characters and what people entrust him to do and be. Can I tell you what one of the hardest things watching the first it uh, is when Chosen Jacobs, who plays uh, Mike Hanlon, mm-hmm. at the ver- when you first meet him and he's there with the is the sheep or the goats trying to kill the cow, trying to kill the cow with the bolt, like horrible. And he can't do it, and then his grandfather does, and they show it. I mean, that is, was one of the most horrifying things. Yeah, and you start out with that with that character. It, it, it was bad. I stuff like that is just. And he showed it. He showed the bolt going in. Oh, oh. Let's talk about briefly in the the later films, the more recent, the many different incarnations that it takes, because they're fascinating to me. One of the most fascinating to me is the painting of the woman, abstract painting of a woman playing the flute in the synagogue. Oh my god, and then she like comes alive and yeah. comes towards him? It's yeah. so disturbing, and you just hear the flute playing. Is it real? What do you mean? Is the painting a real painting from like oh, art? I do or not is it know. Like, made up? Maybe? I don't know. But... I don't know. <clears throat> um, there's, of course, the. Uh, what, what I love that Pennywise does in these adaptations that they describe it in the book, they say everything he does is just a shuck and jive. You know, when either of the dogs, our dogs, are, like, on to the next thing, they shake. Pennywise shakes, too, when he's, like, about to get into something. And it's it's animalistic behavior that's interesting oh, to see. And, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Andy Machete also uses wonderful background scares like Mike Flanagan does. Mm-hmm. So, like, when, uh, what's the guy that listens to New Kids on the Block? Oh, yeah, um... Ben. Ben. When he's at the library, the public library, and he's going through the history. The lady. The lady, the librarian is behind him just standing there, and you know it's Pennywise. It's so creepy. There's so many little bitty things like that that really add to a creepiness mm-hmm. feeling of the film. Um, the, it's great. Uh, the I old lady it. in the second one. Oh, my gosh. Running really quick, getting all naked. Naked. Oh. Or, or when she says, well, you know what they say, anyone who dies in dairy never really dies, and then, like, freezes for an uncomfortable, uncomfortable period, of time. period of time. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that they got the spider right in the sequel. I, I agree. Because to deep Pennywise, Pennywise, at this point, is why in the original miniseries it was like, oh, it's just a crappy special effects spider? We lost Tim Curry for this piece of shit? Um, to, they make, don't they make Pennywise a part of the spider? Yes, he yeah, is the head. He's the head. And all the legs still have the striped, like, you know, outfit and everything. I also think it's interesting how they killed him, because that's not from the book. They made him feel small, which a lot of people did not like. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. I did too. It was so good. And how even when he was little, he's like, I'm the eater of worlds. <laughs> like, but to, to make him feel that small... And then right before they kill him, he says, look at you all. You're all grown up. Which is such a weird thing to say right before you die. But um, I think there's there's something so... I cry so much in both of these films about the loss of my childhood, about the loss of friends that you outgrow, 
that move on to other places that you know every time you you say those goodbyes you're probably never going to see them again and it's the whole point of like coming to terms with your fear as a kid and your imagination and growing up and growing up and moving on that's what it's all about and that's why it's amazing that it brings that out in you you know what i love about stephen king and these stories much like all of his stories is that matthew and i are frequently asked why do you guys write such dark things much like stephen king we're we're always looking for the light out of the darkness and i think that's what stephen king always does as well you're always looking to find your light find your light baby that's it but I think Stephen captures that. Speaking of one and two. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, any last things to add on it from you, Ryan? No, not at all. I, I, I enjoyed both of them. Again, I'm waiting for the, the ultimate cut because um, I really enjoyed the first one. I've Is that it. coming? No, it's not coming. <laughs> Can Maybe someone do it on it. YouTube? Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's like when, uh, oh, God, uh, What's his name? Topher Grace. Did you know that he did a cut of the prequels of Star Wars and took out Jar Jar Binks? As well, he should have. <laughs> but where does that live? Like on a torrent somewhere? Uh, it was on YouTube, I think. Oh, God. Yeah. How did they let him do that? I don't know. Matthew, any last thoughts on it? No. Um, I'm looking up the Dark Tower audiobook. Oh. That maybe I should listen to. It's a lot of hours, a lot of books. I, I've the already done. The first book is the shortest, and it is probably the most boring it of is. them. It is. If you can get through it and get on to the next books, it's good. I think listening to it probably <clears throat> for you is a good thing. I listened to it, and I got pretty far, and I think I only stopped. You listened to the audiobook? Yeah, but I. <laughs> this was years ago, and this was when I was driving to Olney. So I needed time to kill, and I had the old truck that had a cassette deck, so I bought the audio books <laughs> on cassette, the only way I could listen to it. I had an 8-track once. And and then I the only reason I stopped was because the truck was gone, so <laughs> we sold the truck. So. Oh, no. Um, anyway. All right, well, <clears throat> that's been a great discussion on all the incarnations of It. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. All right, thanks so much for listening to our very serious discussion on it. Um, did you have a good time, Matthew? Watching the movies? Talking about them. Yeah, I mean, I think that lots of movies are really, really good and have wonderful stories, and I think it's a movie that rises above that movie that makes it impressive for me, personally. And this is definitely like a landmark Ear, dog-eared moment of like for me of like Stephen King's brilliance in in like you know six hours. A side note: Matt was really scared when we went to see this movie, and then I did spoil it for him a little because I said, "Hey, P.S. If this helps at all, none of the kids die. None of the the kids we like die." But a sheep does. <laughs> a cow. A cow. Because I was hoping that they were to die. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's kind of with an ER. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Patreon, YouTube under Connor and Smith, again with an ER. Please share this podcast where you share things, post it where you post things, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things you can. If you want to support us on Patreon, the link is in the podcast notes. 
Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon sustaining members. We appreciate you and love you. Um, and if you want to join our Patreon family, uh, like I said, info's in the podcast, please follow Ryan on Letterboxd. The link is in the podcast notes. Ryan the Dean. Ryan the Dean. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. And we will see you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you.